0: Some of you know the name uh, Lily Tomlin, and she actually said something profound, believe it or not. She said this. She said, uh, when I was a kid, uh, I used to tell people when I grow up, I want to be somebody. But now I realize that I should have been more specific. <laughs> and that's a profound thought because every single person, everybody in the room, we are in the process of becoming Somebody. And if we're not very intentional, doggedly intentional, persistently intentional, we very likely will become somebody that we don't want to be. You will wake up a year from now. You will wake up 10 years from now, and you will look back and you'll say, How did I become this person? How did I become an angry, bitter, cynical person? Or you'll wake up and you'll say, How did I lose my faith? I used to pray, I used to trust God, I used to seek him with everything I had, but but honestly, I haven't prayed in in months. I haven't really trusted God for anything in months. Or you wake up and say, how did I become an addicted person? I had no idea that the, the patterns of the flesh could be so strong, so compelling in my life. And so every one of us is becoming somebody. And I dare say, you you might use different terminology, but all of us would say something to the effect of, no, that's not the life I want. Actually, I want a life that is stable and satisfying and fruitful. Uh, I want to be a person who enjoys God. I want to be a person who helps other people know God and enjoy God. We would all say, I want to be a person who experiences freedom, not bondage. We would say, I don't want my life to be dripping with shame. I want to be a person who says what the psalmist said in Psalm 139, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, and my soul knows it very well. We would all want to be that type of person, right? We want to be a person who looks back at his or her life with satisfaction because there's been fruitfulness and stability, and we've represented God well. We all want to finish well, right? Psalm 1 makes an astounding point. Psalm 1 makes an astounding claim. Psalm 1 says that if you delight in the law of the Lord and meditate day and night, you will be that type of person. Psalm 1 says that if you delight in the law of the Lord and meditate day and night, you will have a stable, fruitful, satisfying life. It's an astounding claim. If you've never heard that and you just walked in and you you might say, These people are deluded. You mean to tell me that the entire course of my life is dependent on what I do with and how I interact with the truth of God's word? Is that what you're saying? The short answer is yes. The long answer, longer answer is yes. But you you have to humbly understand what Psalm 1 is saying. You have to really pay attention. You have to really get what he's talking about. Because the psalmist isn't talking about some superficial interaction with God's Word. He's talking about a sustained, substantive interaction with God through its Word. Psalm 1 advocates that we approach the Scriptures the way we approach food. That it's something we we understand we have to have it if we're going to be sustained and nourished. And so... Uh, we're talking about viewing the Scripture in a way that's pretty unusual for many of us. And so instead of limiting our experience with God and with the Scripture to an isolated event, either once a week on Sunday morning or once a day in a quiet time or devotional or whatever you call it, what Psalms will, will advocate is experiencing God through the Scriptures all day long. Beginning in Psalm 1 and continuing throughout the Psalm, we find an, an emphasis on using the Scripture, as Psalm 16 says, to place God front and center before us so that we experience Him in all of His beauty. Doing that morning, noon, and night, or as the, the Hebrews would say, evening, morning, and noon, because the day begins at sundown, right? Right. And so I think the perspective we're going to look at today and over the next two weeks is is going to be both challenging and it's going to give us some hope. And it's going to be challenging because it's going to confront how we actually relate to God uh, through the scriptures. And so you might have a hard realization this morning. You may come to the realization that I don't do what Psalm 1 says. And so that might be a hard thing to, to just take a good, honest look at the habits of your life. But if you want the right treatment, you have to have the right diagnosis, right? So it, it might be challenging today. But I think you'll also find it hopeful because the Scriptures and the Psalms talk about the type of life we all want. It's accessible. It is available for us if we want it. It really is. And so that was true in the Old Covenant, which is the context of the Psalms. And if it was true in the Old Covenant... It is doubly true in the new covenant where God gives us his spirit and he promises, I will write my law on your heart. Okay? And so it's accessible, and God wants us to have the type of life we're going to look at today. And so this morning's message is the first of three about seeking God all day long. Today we look at Psalm 1. Next week we look at Psalm 5, which is a morning psalm. And just to let you know, I understand not everybody's a morning person. Even if you're not a morning person, there will be something for you next week. Then the third week we're going to look at Psalm 63, which is an evening psalm. And so we're going to talk about seeking God all day long psalm 1 gives a very simple very direct point here it is god gives us stable fruitful satisfying lives as we delight in his word all day long god gives us stable fruitful satisfying lives as we delight in his word all day long. And there's an outline in your bulletin if you want to look at it there. But the author of Psalm 1 describes a person who is blessed. And to be blessed by God means that his favor rests upon you. His grace sustains you. It keeps you strong and fruitful, even during the tough times. And Psalm 1 talks, first of all, about what this person doesn't do and then what he does do. It's really masterful the way he puts it. Psalm 1, 1 and 2. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And so negatively, this person refuses to imitate the ungodly. He refuses to imitate the ungodly. He says he, he does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. In other words, he doesn't take the advice of the wicked. You say, oh, that's a good idea. I think I'll do that. He says, no. He doesn't stand in the path of sinners. And generally speaking, a path in the Scripture is a way of living. It's a way of living your life. So this person doesn't, doesn't take that path. Uh, because it's incompatible with the ways of God and the life he wants. It says he does not sit in the seat of scoffers. He rejects those who mock God and his, his ways. And so this person consciously refuses to accept ways of thinking and ways of acting that are incompatible with the life that God wants to give. Positively, what does he do? Well, this person delights in the law of the Lord. Now and the word law is simply the word Torah, and it means instruction. And I don't think he's limiting himself to the, the Ten Commandments or the Pentateuch, sometimes that's called the, the Torah, but he's, he has more broadly uh, the, the, uh, the teachings of God. And so this person takes great pleasure in everything that God, God says, everything that God instructs. And as you know, some people come to the the Scriptures, and they come to the Christian life, and they say, okay, what are the minimum requirements here? Okay, how long do I have to spend reading the Bible to kind of be good with with God? And that's like asking a teacher, is this going to be on the test? You know, it's just an insulting thing. Why would you ask that of God? That is not the, the mentality of Psalm 1. Uh, Psalm 1 says that, that the, the instruction of the Lord is this person's delight. And when you delight in something, you can't get enough of it. You think about it all the time. You talk about it. You come back to it whenever you have a chance. And you can tell what somebody delights in by just hanging out with them, spending a lot of time with them. What do they talk about? What's on their mind? What do they go back to when they, when they have some, some discretionary time well, the psalmist restates this idea. He says, and in his law, he meditates day and night. And day and night means all day long, okay? And so it's not some isolated, infrequent activity. And the word translated uh, meditate, has a number of different connotations. Uh, uh, Eugene Peterson points out that in Isaiah 31, that word is translated, uh, uh, it's talking about a lion growling over its prey. And so you have a lion meditating on a goat or a sheep. And how does a lion meditate on a goat? He chews it. He swallows it. He digests it. Or as Peterson says, he uses teeth and tongue, stomach, and intestines. A lion growling over its prey is a picture of how you and I should approach the scriptures. We should assimilate it We should let it get into the the fibers of our being so that it affects the way we think and even the way we feel and the way that we speak, the way we act. We allow the word of Christ to richly dwell within us. If you don't do that, you can't really taste and see that the Lord is good. If you never soak it in you don't really know the goodness of God. You just have to take other people's word for it. People tell you, God is so good. And you say, okay, I'll take your word. If you, if you meditate day and night, you come to that conclusion yourself. You taste and see that the Lord is good. You're nourished on God's word. And so, this happens in, in a lot of different ways. Hopefully, you're meditating on God's word now. You're thinking it over. It can happen in your time with the Lord, your daily time with the Lord. It can happen in conversations. You speak the truth in love with, with others and you work it over. It could be the three by five card with the scripture on it and you pull it out a few times during the day and you remind yourself what it says. Better yet, you memorize it. It's with it, it's with you. You've got it. You're driving across town. Blessed is a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. So you've got it. If you memorize it, you've got it. You can mull it over. You can chew it over all day long. And if you delight in God's teaching, you'll come back to it. You'll find a way to come back to it. It's like grabbing a, a snack out of the refrigerator. I've got, I'm hungry, I've got some time, I'll just get something. The same way we can go to God's Word all day long. Verse 3 explains just what it means to be blessed, to have the favor of God rest upon you. And sometimes that word is translated happy, and it would be happy in the deepest sense. It's this, this deep happiness, joyfulness. And here's what the psalmist describes. This is the life we all want. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he promised. We all understand what he's talking about. We live in Kansas. We know what he's talking about. You can have a dry, desolate land. But when you see a stream, you see a river, you're going to find trees that are lush and fruitful. Why? Because the roots go down deep and they're largely unaffected by the hot, dry weather. They've got the roots. They continue to get the nourishment, continue to to draw strength uh, from the ground. And the psalmist is saying that's a picture of the person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates day and night uh, during the tough times, during the dry times. And they will come. The dry times will come. You don't wither, you don't wither. You don't uh, dry up and blow away. Uh, You actually still remain fruitful during the dry times. And again, this is an extraordinary statement about the power of God's word, okay? We're talking about real life here. This will affect your everyday life and the, the things you go through for the rest of your life. And so when the dry times come, this person continues to bear fruit because there's this continuous nourishment from God's word. And fruitfulness can mean a lot of things. Uh, First of all, it can mean personal fruit in your life, like the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, and patience. You don't know when you're going to need patience. You know that? You don't know when you're going to be tempted to be angry and say a harsh thing. So you need your roots to go deep so that the the fruit of the Spirit is there and it's nourishing you. And you respond with gentleness instead of anger. And so that's the fruit. But the fruit can also be the effect you have in other people's lives. You never know when you're going to have an opportunity to speak the name of Christ, to bear witness for Christ, to help a friend experience Christ more deeply. And so this is the life we all want, right? It's only available to the person who delights in the law of the Lord and meditates day and night. And then he says, and in whatever he does, he prospers. And some of us kind of recoil prosperity. You know, that's, it's kind of got a bad name in, in a lot of ways because some people teach that that means that if you just have faith, you won't have any problems. You're going to be healthy all the time, and you're going to be wealthy. And God, God does give blessing. He does give abundance, but that's not the, the biblical idea of, of prosperity. Biblically speaking, prosperity involves fruitfulness and faithfulness in the midst of hardship. Did Jesus prosper in everything he did? absolutely he was fruitful he was faithful did he suffer absolutely that's when he was the most it was just as fruitful when he suffered as when he didn't and so whatever he does he prospers that's the life we want we want to bear fruit in every situation in our our lives those who are described in verse 1 as the wicked and as sinners and as scoffers are going to have a very different experience very different destiny Verse 4, but the wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. So there's a contrast here. The righteous are like a tree whose roots go down, solid, stable, strong. The wicked are lightweight, heavyweight, lightweight. They're like the chaff. And so you throw the, the grain or the barley up in the air, the grain falls to the ground, the chaff is blown away. That's a picture of those who, who refuse to to soak in God's word, who mock God himself. The wicked are just that insignificant. Therefore, verse 5, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. Just as the righteous man refused to stand in the path of the sinner, the sinner will not be permitted to stand in the assembly of the righteous. The separation of the righteous and the wicked will one day be complete. The righteous will enjoy eternal life in the presence of God. The wicked will be banished from God for eternity. And the reason that judgment is so certain and assured is given in verse 6. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Nothing escapes the notice of God. And so he knows, he's intimately acquainted with the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. When you read through scriptures, you see it it over and over. There are two paths. There aren't three or four or five or six. There are two basic paths in this life. Jesus talked about there's the narrow path. It leads to life. There's the broad path. And you're going to have a lot of company if you take that path. The problem is it leads to destruction. And so here, the life that we all want is available to us, through the scriptures, through a life of discipleship, being apprenticed to Jesus. And many, many people, many people in this room would confirm this. This isn't a fairy tale. This isn't make-believe. Many people in this room would confirm that you can have a solid, stable, fruitful life by, by soaking in God's word day and night in this substantive, heart-level way. And so here at Faith, the way we say it sometimes is we, only not, we, only, we not only think it's important to have a high view of Scripture, you also need to have a, a high experience with Scripture, a deep experience with Scripture, where we're actually formed by what the Scripture says and how it teaches us to think and live. And Psalm 1 tells us that this formation happens when we're nourished by the Word all day long. And so how do we get at that? In our time remaining, I want us to just think about ways that we can begin to cultivate such delight in God's Word. I think you'll agree with me that if indeed this is a defining issue in our lives, this determines whether or not we're like the tree that's planted by streams of water, that meditating day and night and delighting in God's Word, it's not something you can just hear and say, good ideas, maybe someday I'll get to it. This is a front burner issue. This is a core issue in the life of each of us. And so how do I begin to cultivate such delight in God's Word? And so this is real simple here, okay? If you know me, that's best. Real simple. First of all, evaluate your life. First of all, begin evaluating your own, own experience uh, in light of Psalm 1.1. Are there, way, are there things in your life that are keeping you from soaking in God's Word? Are there ways that you are walking in the counsel of the wicked? are there ways that you are standing in the path of sinner? Are there ways that you are sitting in the seat of scoffers? And if there's this some pervasive sin in your life, and we all sin, okay, we do. And if there are issues, there are these areas of your life that you know are not pleasing to God, the first thing to do, the, mo- the, the most obvious thing to do is to admit it to God. We have no reason to not be honest with God, right? And so we simply admit it. We bring it into his presence and we confess it. We say, God, this is an area of my life that's not pleasing you. And you, you allow him to reform that area of your life. And you will need others in the body of Christ. You are not designed to do this on your own. So evaluate your life. Enlist the help of others. Somebody you really trust to help you uh, have, take a different path. And then evaluate your current experience when it comes to the Word. And this is where we've got to be really honest with ourselves. Uh, Do you find that you just delight in God's Word? You just are fascinated by Scripture. You just can't get enough of it. And continually, you find yourself going back for nourishment and strength and perspective and insight. Or, if you were honest, would you have to say, you know, I'm pretty bored with the Bible. I'm pretty bored with God, actually. It's been a long time since I've really come to the Word with any anticipation. And so if that's where you are, you've got to be honest before God. You need, a, you need to be honest so that you'll know the next steps to take. My point here is that you need an accurate diagnosis before you can, can, uh, uh, can start on the path to the life that you really want a life that's stable and satisfying and fruitful. And there's another possibility. There's a possibility I really want to mention. And in mentioning this, I'm not, I'm not being mean here. I'm not being condemning. I just want to say that if you are bored with God, it may be because you don't know God. God may not be your heavenly father. God becomes your father through faith in Jesus Christ. You may be a person who's gone to church a long, long time. Going to church doesn't make you a son or a daughter of God. You may say, you know, I've gone and I, I, it's a cultural thing for me. It's a good thing to go to church. But if you don't find any life in the scripture, it may be because you've never actually put your faith in Jesus. And what I'm talking about is you have to come to this conviction, this conclusion where you say, I am profoundly lost and when somebody's lost, they're not where they should be. And they don't know how to get where they're supposed to be. So if you're lost, that doesn't mean you're not valuable. I've lost some very valuable things, right? Jesus talked about the, the shepherd that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. If you're lost, you're valuable. But if you're lost, you can't find your way that's why God sent Jesus. He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. And so you say, God, I'm lost. I've sinned. I don't know how to get rid of my sin, but I believe that when Jesus died, he died for my sin. So I trust in him. I believe that when he rose from the dead, it ratified, it validated everything he said and did. And so I accept him and I I want to become your child. And give me your Holy Spirit. That's what he promises in the new covenant. And that was my experience. And I don't want to like say your experience has to be mine. But the, the first thing I noticed that when I came to Christ at age 20 is that I went from having this kind of, it was kind of a superstitious attitude toward the Bible. I had a reverence for the Bible. I read it really almost every day. It was like 30 seconds, but I, I read it almost every day because I was told I was supposed to. But when I put my faith in Christ and God put his spirit within me, the Bible became a fascinating thing. I couldn't get enough of it. I didn't have to have people say, Steve, you should study the Bible. It was just this life-giving, nourishing thing, and I just couldn't get enough of it. It may be for you that the reason you don't like the Bible is because you don't know God yet. You find when, you, when the Spirit lives within you, you find the Bible endlessly fascinating endlessly fascinating. It tells you things you would never guess. If you've never read the Bible, especially with spiritual eyes, it is, fa- they're mind-blowing things, confusing things, fascinating things, racy things. There are all sorts of things in the Bible. If you've never read it, you should. So, uh, evaluate your life. Second, ask for desire and delight. I'm rambling here. Uh, more specifically, use Psalm 119. Psalm 119 allows us to express things that we would never think up on our own. For example, Psalm 119, 36 and 37, the psalmist says, Incline my heart to your testimonies. He's acknowledging there, sometimes my heart is inclined toward other things. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to dishonest gain. Turn my eyes away from looking at vanity and revive me in your ways. And so he's asking God to redirect his eyes and to redirect the desires of his heart. And sometimes I would never think to, to ask for that. Sometimes I think, I realized my motivation isn't where it should be, but do I ask? Or again, verse 73 says, Your hands made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. And so the psalmist didn't view meditating on Scripture as an activity he could do independent of the grace of God. He said, No, God, I, I want to not only meditate on your, your Scripture, but give me understanding. We shouldn't be satisfied with merely showing up in the God's presence and reading the Bible, although that's half the, that's half the battle. But we should also want understanding. And so we prayed, God, give me understanding. Let me understand what, I'm, what I'm, I'm learning here. And so Psalm 119 prompts us to ask for things we may never think of on our own. And I find that when I ask for God to give me delight, to give me motivation, to give me desire that he very consistently gives it. I mean, he loves to give us this type of thing. God doesn't sit back with his arms folded and said, prove to me how serious you are. We come like children. We say, Father, I don't have this desire. Would you give it to me? And he's a good father. He gives good gifts. He says, of course I'll give it to you. Drawing closer, let me teach you. Let me give you what you need. Let it not be said of us, you do not have because you do not ask. Third, I would recommend following a very simple plan for experiencing God through the scriptures. One reason why we flounder, I think, is because we don't have a plan. We think magically tomorrow it's going to be different than today. It usually isn't unless we intend make a plan, a simple plan to do something different. Develop a plan and by God's grace, carry it out. <clears throat> Let me give you just uh, three examples. Um, In 2016, I had this idea. I think God gave it to me. I was going to read through the Bible, and I was going to record every reference to prayer. I kind of got confused because so many voices teach about prayer what it's about and i say well maybe i should look and see what the bible teaches about prayer so i got one journal for the old testament and one for the new testament and i wrote down every reference it took me about 10 months every reference to prayer in the bible every prayer uh, every mention of prayer every answer to prayer there's just a few times when when god did not answer prayer that's a bolt out of the blue, okay? But I got up every morning. There have been a few times in my walk with God when I have been more, uh, more uh, had more anticipation about going to the Scriptures. I would get up every morning, what am I going to learn today? And it was a ride. And one of my initial impressions was the Bible advocates praying in a lot of ways that I tend to discourage. Abraham would say, God would say, I'm going to give this to you, Abraham. And Abraham would say, how will I know you're going to give that to me? And God wasn't offended. He really wasn't. Or it set out a fleece, and then it set out another fleece. You know, all these things happen. And you get the impression that God loves answering prayer. He really loves answering prayer. Prayer prayed in faith and according to his will. So I would command this type of focused reading of Scripture. I've got a friend, he's in college, and, and uh, he got fascinated with Psalm 103, 2, which says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of his benefits. He decided, well, if I'm not going to forget his benefits... I need to know what the benefits are, and so he's taking the Psalms and he's journaling, writing down every benefit that's mentioned in the Psalms. Psalm I asked him for a few protection. Psalm twenty-seven, one: the Lord is my is the stronghold of my life. Security: God has not forsaken those who seek you. Prayer: Psalm three, four: the Lord answered me. And so you can have a focused reading of Scripture, or maybe you want to. Plan to read the same paragraph or the same chapter from the Bible three times a day. You read it in the morning, you spend time thinking about it. At noon, you refresh it and ask the question, How have I seen the the truth of this the last four hours? And then you read it after supper. How have I seen the truth of this in my life and in, in the world around me? And so when you meditate all day long on the same portion of Scripture, you put yourself in a position to hear the voice of God through that passage. And if you need help coming up with a simple plan, ask a friend or maybe you're in a life group, ask somebody in your life group, or if you honestly don't know anybody you can talk to about this, write it on the back of the connection card and drop it in the bag and we will, we will contact you just, just to give some simple ideas. But again, the big idea here is that every single one of us is becoming someone. We are. A year from now, you will become, uh, you will be a type of person you can look back You want to become the type of person who is strong and stable, satisfied, and fruitful. And Psalm 1 tells us that happens to the person who delights in the law of the Lord and in his law meditates day and night. That's a life I want for myself. That's a life I want for for each of you. The past is the past. You may have regrets about what you have or haven't done. But we have a say in how we experience the future and it's wrapped up in what we do with God's Word. Would you pray with me?